If you're enjoying this podcast and it's helping your writing, then come study with us. You can join our classes here in New York City or attend live online from anywhere in the world. So check it out, writeyourscreenplay.com, and here's the podcast. Hello, I'm Jacob Kruger, and this is the Write Your Screenplay podcast. On this podcast, rather than reviewing movies like critics, two thumbs up, two thumbs down, loved it or hated it, we're going to look at movies in terms of what we can learn from them as screenwriters. We're going to look at good movies and bad movies, movies that we loved and movies that we hated. For an ad-free version of this podcast, as well as a full transcript, please visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com. So if you've been listening to this series, you know that what we're doing is we're looking at each episode of season eight, and we're talking about how it works in relation to the overall engine of Game of Thrones and what you can learn from it as a screenwriter. So we've talked about this idea that an engine actually gives you a way to replicate a similar structure in each episode in order to create the same feeling in a different way. And of course, this is exactly what's happening. If you look at season eight, episode one, and season eight, episode two, you can see that they're actually doing the same thing. They're actually structured the same way. They both replicate a series of connections and reconnections of old characters who we've known and loved, reconnecting with each other and finding the irony of meeting again. They each take one step towards complicating the relationship between Bran and Jamie and between Daenerys and John. Episode one of season eight culminates with John finding out from Sam, holy crap, dude, you're actually Aegon Targaryen. You are actually the heir to the Iron Throne. Episode two of season eight actually culminates with John sharing that information with Daenerys, who is none too pleased about it. Episode one of season eight starts to chip away at our belief in Daenerys as a capable ruler. Well, in season eight, episode two, she's making even worse and more selfish choices. She's nearly fired Tyrion because he's trusted Cersei, even though that's a move that she backed. She is trying to manipulate Sansa, but doesn't seem to be willing to give the one thing that Sansa wants, which is the freedom of the North. And when she finds out that her lover is actually her nephew, rather than being horrified about their relationship or happy that the rightful heir should take the throne or even conflicted, not knowing exactly what to do, we see her immediately start to go towards power, right? She's upset because that would give him the right to the throne. So you can see what's happening right? It's actually a replication of the first episode. We're going on a similar journey. This episode has a slightly different tone because it's happening right before the culmination of the final big engine that drives Game of Thrones through all eight seasons, which is the same thing that we heard from the beginning of season one, episode one, winter is coming. We have been waiting for winter to come and waiting for winter to come and waiting for winter to come and waiting for winter to come. And then we find out that winter has come and we are still waiting for winter to come. And then we get a couple of battles with the undead and we are still waiting. But now the undead are here and they have a dragon that nobody else knows about and they are coming towards the gates. We have one day left. It reminds me of that great song from Les Miserables, One Day More, right? 
everybody is there preparing to die. They know they're gonna die and they have their last moments together. And that's the tone of this episode. And it's not especially dramatic, even though some wonderfully dramatic things are happening in it. Aria is having sex for the first time. And that is short interesting. It's interesting on a couple of different levels. Number one, over eight seasons, she has actually turned into a young woman, but we still remember her as a child. And by creating that love affair in the middle of this, it feels extremely complicated because she's having sex with a character that we have come to understand as an adult, even though she we still see her as a child. So once again, we had that ethically complicated love story happening, something that makes us a little bit uncomfortable. We have an absolutely beautiful moment with Brienne where she gets the wish that she didn't even know she had, which is to be a knight, the one thing she could never do. And she gets it from Jamie, who has a long and complicated relationship with her. So we have a lot of very beautiful moments, the kinds of moments that you would do the day before you know you're gonna die. And at the same time, there is certainly a feeling that, man, stuff is coming slow, isn't it? We are just waiting. We know the Night King's coming and we want him to come. If you have an audience, you can get away with this like we talked about last week. You can get away with giving them a taste, giving them another taste, giving them information really slowly, stretching out the story, which is exactly what's happening here in Game of Thrones. They are giving it to you one little dollop at a time, and you're willing to accept that one dollop at a time. Because, first off, you care about these characters. So the emotional import of watching Brienne get knighted matters to you. But imagine if you saw Brienne get knighted after her second episode. You wouldn't actually give a crap about it. The only reason you care about watching someone get knighted on the eve of death, even though it's cool to watch a woman get knighted, you care because you care about her. So this is what's so cool about how series work. The more we care, the more complexity you can get away with. The more we care, the more quiet moments you get away with. The more we care, the more little dollops you can serve and the more you can start to play with the way you deliver information. The more you can get away with foreshadowing rather than doing. Which raises the question, how do you get the audience to care? Watching a character who wants something go for it. Watching a character try really hard to get something that's hard for them to get. Watching a character make choices that they've never made before. These are the things that make us care. This is why we would care about Arya Stark's sex scene, even if we didn't know her. While it would be very hard to care about Brianna's knighting, if we didn't already care about her and know she deserved it. This is why we would care about the moment where John Stark confronts his lover with his real identity because it's a hard choice. We would care about it even if we had just met him because we would understand the import of that choice. We would care about the moment where Bran chooses not to out the man who paralyzed him and instead chooses to put himself as bait. We would care about these moments, even if we were just getting to know these characters, because they're huge choices made against impossible odds. Whereas watching Tyrion sit around, drink wine, and reminisce about old times, those are the scenes that are very hard to get away with, unless you have characters we already believe in. So 
We're deepening here the concept of saving the best for first. If you front load your script with awesome stuff, if you earn your quiet moments, you can get away with almost anything. And earning them doesn't need to mean, like in Game of Thrones, that you've got crazy dragons going on. In fact, in this episode, we don't have any dragons at all. Earning them doesn't mean that crazy things need to be happening. It means that we need to be watching characters make big, hard choices that change them, that send them on a journey, that allow us to start to tell ourselves their story and care about whether they achieve it or not. This is what we're actually building when we're building a series. Now, one last thing that I want to talk about. We know the idea that, okay, we're supposed to replicate similar events. But when you end up with two episodes that actually have almost the same structure, when you realize that, huh, I actually only have one beat in episode one about John's heritage, and I only have one beat in episode two about John's heritage, and actually they both episodes follow the same structure with things happening in kind of the same order. Sometimes that's a good thing if the episodes are really kicking ass and you have a really strong engine and everything's really exciting. But if you realize your episode's a little boring, and this happens all the time, you write the pilot and then you write episode two because you're trying to figure out what it is, and you realize they're almost the same But episode two actually has better elements than episode one. And episode one has some very important elements. Oftentimes when you see that, there's actually an opportunity for compression. So one of the things that you would want to ask yourself if you've written these two episodes is could these two episodes become one? Could we get to the end of the pilot and there's the Night King and his army coming over the ridge? Could the inciting incident of episode one for John be finding out who he really is? And the completion, the end of episode one, be John telling Daenerys who he really is. Instead of slowly chipping away over two episodes on who she is, could we compress those scenes and get rid of some of those boring scenes like the three rulers deciding whether they're going to accept Jamie when we all know they're going to accept Jamie? Like the people of Winterfell being grumpy about Daenerys when at the end of the day we know the frickin' dead are coming and that this is not the most important issue. Could we compress some of those boring, musing things? thinking about the past scenes, and instead use only the greatest hits moments of these two episodes and compress them into one. And I think you will see that if you did that, you would end up with a pretty damn exciting pilot. That actually the two alone are just okay, but you put the two of them together and you get something great. Now, if you are at the end of your series and you're running out of material, you might not want to do that. You might want to parse out that stuff. Now, Every writer probably has the same fear that the writers of Game of Thrones have, which is, what if we run out of source material? And of course, for Game of Thrones, it's even harder because you are based on a book. But usually that fear of running out of source material is a mistake. Usually, if you simply allow yourself to compress, if you continually save the best for first, if you continually squeeze everything down to you have only the greatest hits moment, if you push your episode, your pilot episode, or any following episode to do the most you can, what you'll find is that you just get to go further in the journey of these characters in your series, that having made huge things happen early, that you get to even cooler things later. And you can see this is what Game of Thrones did in throughout season one, moving at that lightning pace. But you can also see that there are some series that do this in every single season. There are series like Breaking Bad or The Wire, where the 
pace never lets up, where you never feel like the writer is just giving you one dollop at a time and making you wait. There are comedy series like Arrested Development, where, man, it's all happening so fast all the time. Now, every series has its own pace and its own style, and it is certainly part of the style of Game of Thrones to disseminate information and to make little things happen in this way, to slow down the pace at which things occur, to give a couple of incredible moments, and we all know there's some kind of blood wedding or something happening at the end. We all know there's this final showdown happening. There is the feeling, there's a way that Game of Thrones is built that's kind of like a fireworks display, where it's just a little bit at the beginning, and then a little more, and then a little more, and then a little more. And this is something that even you can get away with, but you can't get away with it until we care. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast. For a complete transcript, please visit our website, writeyourscreenplay.com slash podcast.